<laughs> All right, let's get into it. I don't want to get too much story. We can do <laughs> I haven't thing. convinced my wife of that yet. Well, dude, Josh, cheers. Estates by Valerio. Did I say that properly? Yes, you did. All right, good. I didn't have too much bourbon yet then. Dude, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I've um, been looking forward to this. At first, I thought you ghosted me because I didn't hear from you for no. a little bit. And then I was like, ah. Oh. And then you, you contacted me. I was like, yes. No, I had you on the radar the whole time. I just, it's, you know, when Evan and I came up with this idea, it was, you know, for a little bit of housekeeping, it was driven off of let's spotlight local business yep. owners, let's inspire people to leave the cubicles and get out of the rat race, and let's inspire that guy that didn't love the traditional route to go into business for himself. So Matt Baldwin, who has done some work for you, which is my brother-in-law, yeah. which from Belmar Plumbing we had a him good on, dude. he was like, I guess it's one of the first or second times he met you. He was like, listen, you got to talk to this dude, Josh. And naturally, I get my guard up because I'm like, well, who's Josh? Who's this guy, right? Because I really try to do everything uh, on a moral and ethic line in my life. And he had nothing but praises to sing about you. Yeah, so. He's a good dude. Yeah, and then talking to you briefly about your story, I said, dude, this guy is perfect for the show. So, again, thank you for coming on. Well, I hope I don't disappoint. Ah, you won't. You won't. I won't let you. So where'd you grow up again? Grew up in Manalapan. Manalapan. Manalapan, yeah. In the woods, Manalapan, or like with the Italians, Manalapan? Oh, back or? then, it was pretty much all woods. Um, one of those little developments right by, uh, right by the high school, surrounded by woods. It was... Um, it was a good uh, good childhood. Good childhood? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Good parents? Uh, my mother. Yeah. She was the rock. She, yeah. had, she got married a couple times. Yeah, women are tough. Yeah, so she, uh, she, she's on her, her, her fourth husband. She's been with this guy for 26 years, give or take 26, I think. But, uh, yeah, my father left when I was five or six. And then she remarried uh, my ex-stepfather. Uh, they stayed together until I was about 13. Now, is your real father still in your life? or? No, he died. He died. I was 28 when he died. 28? Yeah. Was he like a, was he somebody in your life as you were coming up and building uh, all these things? And No. So, he left. When he left, he left. And he, uh, he disappeared for several years um, without a trace. Just vanished and then one day came back um and that's when i started the whole visitation thing yeah. spending time in the cat skills as we were talking about before we started um Love but the he cat skills yeah the cat skills are great so he died when i was 28 i was into so when he it was it was a weird time in my life when he'd passed i was living with a woman girl um, we were engaged to be married. We were together seven, eight years, but unfortunately she had, um, some personal issues and, uh, it was more of a codependent relationship. I was taking care of her. And, um, so I had broken up with her cause I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had quit my first corporate job at ITG. I was there five or six years. I quit that. And I bought my first house all within a three-month span, and my dad died. So within three months, I yeah, within three months, I left a long-term relationship. Was newly single since I was 20. Um, so I had to figure out how to date as a successful 
adult male. Um, I started a new a new job, bought a house, and my dad died. It was uh, interesting times. That's a lot. And you were 28 years old. That's a lot of stress. 28, yeah, that's 28. So let me walk through your life. So did you like school? Were you a good student? You know, I have ADHD. So I, um, I did not like school. I, I was better with um, more of a hands-on. I need to be um, highly passionate about what I'm doing. Or I just glaze over like Dunkin' Donuts. You lose focus. Oh, I just, yeah. So uh, I have to be all, all the time hyper-focused on something. And, and, and the only thing I've been able to do to remain hyper-focused is, is work on things that where I'm moving or that I'm highly passionate about. So I want to stay on ADHD because I have that as well. It's the label they gave me um, that I thought gave me the ability to do what I do, not hold me back. Yeah, and once you figure out what you do. Yeah, it's a superpower, actually, yeah. because the, the way that you're able to take in information at such a high pace, and not that other intelligent people can't do that as well, but once you find that thing you enjoy, you're able to move, yeah. again, at such a faster pace than yeah. others in your arena because of that ADHD. And, you know, obviously you were just elaborating that. Once yeah. you got hyper-focused, it was a superpower. For yeah, you. and it also allows, uh, allows me to, to do 8,000 things at once. Yeah. Which, you know, in, in my line of work, um, at my volume, it's... Now let's talk about your capacity, right? So you talk about 8,000 things. Sometimes I become frustrated to a flaw with others who don't move at my pace because they don't have ADHD. <laughs> and, or the drive uh, or the passion. Yeah, yeah, both. Both yep. sometimes. And the ability to jump around and then also retain all that information. So let's pertain it to your industry. You're having your rental properties. You have a problem at the rental property. You have another new sink that you're putting at one rental property. You're flipping a house, you're buying a new rental, and each one of these different buckets, I'll call them, has problems mm -hmm. and or goals within them. Yep. Talk about your capacity and ability to retain all that, because that was something that I found that, you know, I could hear the words to the song once and remember it. It's Yeah. yeah I, if, so if you go in my office, it's a million papers everywhere. And it's just organized chaos. But I have giant eight-foot-long whiteboards. And on the whiteboards, I, I, they're, they're designated to... Because I essentially have three businesses. I have my, my, my rental portfolio. So on my rental portfolio whiteboard, I have all of my leases, when they're going to expire, you know, the, the broken down by, by units, by name. Uh, any uh, deferred maintenance that has to get done uh, on my... Uh, contracting business so my customer facing business where I do um, renovation work for, for customers I have all of my projects on, on another whiteboard with you know kind of I, I wouldn't call them major milestones they're, they're, it's all broken down by mini milestones like like a three week snapshot of what has to happen yeah, you're mapping out yeah. those projects and then I have my development boards for my development business where I, I build custom homes for myself um, I have all those projects mapped out as to, you know, that's more of a major milestone 
kind of major milestone, what has to happen, and then, you know, next major milestone, what has to happen. Yeah, you have goals and sub-goals. Yeah, so it's um, that and, and lists and post-it notes and Google Calendar is the only way I can keep track. I also use Evernote. Yeah. So, but... Um, so before we get further into your businesses, went through high school, decent student, didn't love school because of your ADHD, and I, I fully can sympathize with you on that. You then go off to college. We talked about it earlier quickly. You were removed um, because you didn't love to do the work. I, I party too much. Yeah, you were having fun. I liked to party. So I think after my, my it was my first year. So my first semester, I, so I, I, I went right after I graduated high school, I, I did a summer program. And I did really well because there's no distractions. Mm. And then September, regular semester started. Started to do okay. <clears throat> but then I got distracted because I was on my own. I had a, a, this newfound freedom. And um, that morphed into slowly degrading in my schoolwork. And... Second semester, it was done. I was done. Yeah, you were just I, over I, it. I checked out. I was I was partying. That's um, my main focus was just going out and having fun. Um, I barely went to class. Uh, I got academically dismissed, and uh, I was in a pretty bad place. Yeah, you know, I. How I, old were you at that time exactly? Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, I, I I went through a pretty serious depression, and I think that's what was fueling the going out and partying so much yeah you were chasing the uh the yeah. high or the buzz yeah and um so i i got academically dismissed uh i i just met my girlfriend who was the one i i was with until i was 28 and uh she was at the time she was better than me so i i was trying to you know, I'd reached that low, pretty bad low, and I was trying to, to, to climb to better myself. And your exponential curve. Yeah, and um, I met her, and, um, yeah, yeah, I started to improve my life, and I was I got a job as framing houses down the beach in Belmar, and. Who were you working with at the time? I was working for a guy named George. I was um, kind of took you in and said, "Hey, kid, let's not fuck around. Let's let's get after well, it." Well, he verbally abused me on a daily basis, but um, it is what it is. So I, I was working for him. Who now? He, hold on. Did that did that drive you to say, "Screw this guy. I'm going to get after it and be more successful than you at the time"? Because maybe you were bad on succession. Did it did it make you? feel more down about yourself because that's something nowadays right we have to be politically correct we yeah. you know i i see you know and again i, I care about people's feelings i do uh, i am empathetic but i also think we have too much catering in this world like how did that affect you um it hurt my feelings yeah of course it, that didn't make me strive to be better which made me strive to be better because right at that that the when i just hit rock bottom i'd gotten assaulted yeah, I was in college and uh, I got significantly boots to hunt yeah you got beat up yeah and uh, by someone who was a friend 
And that is that was the turning point. Was it uncalled for? Was it over a girl? Mm. Over a girl. All right. Um, but he was like three times my size, and I was a little. I'm still a little guy, but I mean, I was maybe 100 pounds, and he was like, you know, six feet tall, muscles. And he just he just stomped. You on bruised me. his ego. You took his girl. I didn't take his girl. He broke up with his girl. <laughs> I, I took I took the scraps. So um, yeah, he boot stomped me, and really. It really messed me up. It turns out, years later, in 2015, I had a herniated disc in my neck, so I had to get surgery, and they did a, um, an MRI, and they said, you broke your neck. I'm like, what are you talking about? See that line? You, you have a fractured vertebrae. You have a broken neck. When did that happen? The only thing I could think of is when I went flying across the room, and the, you know, the college dorm room bunk beds, they're steel, they stack. Mm-hmm. Well, he threw me into those, and the bunk bed fell down on the back of my neck, and I went out cold. So, uh, yeah, I broke my neck from that. Oh shit! But um, but that fired you to say, "Hey, I'm going to stick up for myself. I'm going to I'm going to do something." That 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 removed all the fear. After that, I had no fear. I had no fear of of one ever getting beat up again because it happened. It happened. Like I I, I, I got just, punched in the face. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and two, it it made me realize like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm going nowhere real fast. I'm I'm so much better than this. And um, now at the time, were you, was that when you were homeless, kind of sleeping on friends' couches? and That happened right after. Right after. It's, it's right after that, that, that transition of getting out of the dorms, getting academically dismissed, and then just bouncing around couches. Yeah, and you were... You were I know my mother didn't want me home because I, I... She didn't want to deal with it. I didn't deal with it. She, at the time, I was angry at her for it, but now, as an adult, it makes sense, and I, I thank her for it because she, it was tough love. Yeah. I'm sure it broke her heart to do it, but she just said, "Look, if you're not living right, you can't come home." Yeah, tough love, I think, is yeah. uh, a lost art, and I think it will circle back around in this country, and realize we've had too much of the uh, yeah. entitlement and, and and love and soft environment for too long yep. here. So I want to fast forward a little bit. You're sleeping on people's couches. Last, when we spoke on the phone, you were embarrassed to let them know that you weren't eating food, so you were sneaking in the food cabinet. Yeah, I was. I was working like two days a week. It didn't click. Like it didn't click. Like oh, I'm poor. I need money. I should work. Like that. 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 And 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 the weird thing is, my first job. I was 11 years old, and I worked all the way up to college, nonstop. So I I had a good work ethic. I just for that that whole college period I just like it just left my mind so I was working two days a week and I was I was busing tables at um a local tavern and I you know as part of my they gave us shift meals so those two days a week I had a good meal but the other the other the other days you were I, for whatever you, you know get. my my roommates were, were going to sleep or they were going to sleep and I was going to the cabinets and you know there'd be like yeah you know, it's a typical college house there'd be like a random box of spaghetti yeah. and ketchup yeah just whatever was yeah available. And that's and that's what i'd eat and i, I remember now did you, you know, feel super bad for yourself at the time or did you say i gotta get out of this what am i doing i was still trying to clean up my act um i felt stuck i had a couple people that helped me um you know, I remember my one buddy Mike, who who was living in the house. You know, he he was 
worked in construction in the city and while he was going to school. So he was, you know, he's making $400 a week and he had this big change jar when he wasn't there. Sorry, Mike, if you're watching, when he wasn't there, um, I'd, I'd go into the change jar and I'd take a couple handfuls of quarters and, um, so Mike, a I, bucks to eat, yeah, so Mike, to I probably owe you uh, some, some money. So if you want me to send you a check, let me know. <laughs> uh, but I think he's doing all right. He's, he, he owns two helicopters right now. He owns a, a helicopter tour business or something. Mike, you need to get on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you went through a time in your life where it was like, hey, I'm stuck. I'm lost. I, I, I'm removed from college. Yep. You fast forward. You then go back. You graduate with honors. I meet that girl. I got back in the college. I was framing houses. Um, and that's when I realized what I, I wanted to be in Belmar. I, I saw the developer whose project I was working on, a guy named Brett, and I said, I want to be that guy. I want to develop real estate. I want to do it in Belmar. I want to live in Belmar. And that's when, when I saw that, this guy in driving up at 10 o'clock in the afternoon, checking on his, his huge condo complex that we were building, with his two kids in tow on their bicycles. I said, I, I want to be that guy. Mm. So I, I, I finagled some things. I got back into college. I picked something easy so I could just graduate with honors and be done with it. I, I knew I needed to fund my dream, so I had to make a lot of money. And the only way I knew how to do that was um, going in technology because at the time that's when the, the Internet was just starting. It was Just a boom. Know, 19, what year was that? That was 1997, 1997. 96, 97. Yeah, that was like uh, not too far after the, you know, internet boom. Crow. So I said, all right, let me work in technology. I hated it, mm -hmm. but I knew I could make a lot of money. So I was, I was bartending full time, going to school full time, and working part time for my college doing tech support. And I. And what college did you graduate from? I went to Kane. Kane, all right. And. Um, I say my, my, my last year of college, I really started to just send out resumes. Um, I got, it was February of 99, maybe February two, 2000, maybe it was February 2000, and uh, maybe 99. Uh, I had gotten a call from ITG, a little, little broker dealer in the city. They were looking for a junior Unix, uh, Unix systems administrator. So, and for uh, the people that don't know what a broker dealer is, explain. It's a, a trading firm. Trading firm. Yeah. So, I woke up the morning of the interview. I, had, I was living in Elizabeth at the time. Oh, by the way, through this whole thing, I was living in the ghetto. Like, yeah. The ghetto. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, well, that's I what mean, you could afford, or. Yeah, I mean, you you look out my window, and there was. You know, prostitution and crack transactions just happening right in front of you. And again, what were you thinking at that time? What did you say? What were you thinking? Like, I got to get out of this. This is driving me. I'm depressed that I'm here. I'm stuck. I wasn't depressed that I was there. Um, I knew I was, I was not, to, not to sound horrible, but I knew I was better than where I was. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something comforting about that environment. Meaning, people are just trying to do their own thing, and everybody leaves you alone. Mm -hmm. You know, so, but 
I, I woke up the morning of the interview and it was snowing. I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this. So I went anyway, and it was me and another person that showed up. We're the only two people who showed up, and they're like, well, we're hiring two people. You guys are the only ones that showed up. You get the job. So, you know, it was my first job. Yeah, you know, I was still in college, actually. I still hadn't graduated. Where in the city was this? Um, it was on Madison. So they were in the Madison of 47th. So I, I think my starting salary was 65000 a year plus quarterly bonuses. I think my first year I, I made ninety grand. That's great. I haven't even graduated yet. Yeah, you were, what, 21? I, I was older because I took the time off. Oh, yeah, you did take time off. I was 23, 24. Still great money. Um, and I thought I was rich. But, you know, I, I still knew what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to be in technology. I wanted to develop real estate. So I just I saved my money. And at that point is when you started to just sock money away and say. I was socking money away. I um, I was running around on the weekends, every weekend, looking at, you know, 10-unit, 15-unit, 20-unit buildings in Weehawk and, you know, Journal Square, Jersey City, Union City, you know, that whole area. I mean, I, I would literally look at a dozen properties every weekend and running you know, I taught myself how to how to run the the, the calculations. Uh, what calculations? Talk about that, because there's a lot of people that watch this that want to be in real the, estate. The TCO numbers, you know, the the, the profit and loss. You know, uh, uh, drill down a little bit more. So, what, how would you know what was a good property you wanted to buy and take over as rental, and how um, it was going to be profitable and the income and expense increase, income and expense. You know, rate of return, um, um, cap. You know, cap rates. Mm -hmm. but then you can buy a property at a great cap rate. But and yeah. again, for 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 oh, sorry, the, the mind that um, doesn't know that. What is well, I mean, real estate is 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 simple. You 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 are you are you are renting time and space, and you want to get a re, re, a return for that time and space. Now, there, there's a lot of you know real estate guys, especially new ones in this in this market where they're barely making any money, and they don't understand like. It's there's work involved, and you know you got to make a decent yeah, amount of money to make it worth that. It's like a glorified thing. Like I want to go flip a house. I want to go buy rental properties. Yeah, you hear so many people saying yeah, that. All, all my all my friends were, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you got you got rentals and this is great and this and that. And I was as I was building my portfolio, I would say to them, like, yeah, it, it's fantastic. Any given minute, I could I could I'll be elbow deep in human feces because literally everything I bought. Somewhere or another along the project line, I would have to touch another person's shit to, because, you know, there was one time I was uh, renovating a, a building I bought in Asbury Park and uh, all done. And my electrician left the light in the center. And I said, why'd you leave that light in the center ceiling? That's getting swapped out. He goes, well, I'm not touching that. I said, why? He goes, somebody shit on the junction box in the attic and I don't want to touch it. And it was probably 30-year-old shit, but somebody shit on the junction box in the attic who had to go and clean that up. Me. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, I'll still do that. Yeah, you're willing to get your hands dirty, yeah, too. Yeah, I don't care. 
get to where you're looking to go. I don't care. And I still don't. And, and I don't need to do it now. And I've got guys that work for me now, and I'll still do it. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the greatest lesson if you have employees. You know, when your employees see you do something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, I was running these models, trying to syndicate these deals. And uh, looking back, nobody was going to invest with me. Got to bring you back real quick. Quickly explain what a cap rate is. So it's basically a, a measure of how profitable a, a piece of real estate or business is going to be. And, you know, at the time I was buying, you know, anything above, you know, an eight cap, you know, was all right. Mm-hmm. I was really going after those 10, 11 caps. And it's just a ratio. But um, That's a super high cap rate. You can't get that anymore, really. Now you're looking at four and fives. I've yeah. got, well, I've got, go pro- state. I've got properties in my portfolio that are insane. But, you know, so, but, you know, I was trying to syndicate deals and I, I spent literally 10 years doing this. So you were just running around, running around, figuring out these numbers, figuring building numbers. these models. Were you trying to get people to invest with you? I was. I was trying to syndicate these Did deals. Did you do any deals during that 10 years? Nope. And it was because you couldn't get the money up and you were sitting there saying, hey, guys, there's opportunity here. There's I went equity to family. Here. I went to family. Um, nobody wanted to invest. And, but what I was doing during that 10 years, I was saving my money and I didn't know it then, but I was educating myself. So when I finally had the money to say, screw everybody else, I'm doing it myself. I had the money. I also had the education. So you were, you were, you were walking through those things. You were visualizing what you wanted to do and you were actually discovering what it took and what yes. was out there for those so, 10 years. If I didn't have the education, but I had the money, I wouldn't have any money right now. Yeah. That's important. You know, it's almost like you can't jump before you learn to, to walk. 10 years of education, running through these models, you're almost doing like a flight simulator. You were, yep. you were working through all this stuff, but you actually weren't. Ex- Writing proposals. Writing proposals. Prospectuses. <laughs> but you weren't actually executing on it because no. you didn't have the funds to do it. But at the whole, yeah. but at the same time, you were saving a ton of money during that ten-year span. How much money did you save? Well, by the time I did my first deal, well, I bought a house in 2004. Uh, it was pr- almost the height of the market, and I, I was going to flip it. I, w- I almost I was going to buy a bar. My mother talked me out of buying a bar in Philly. Just buy a house, buy a house. Don't buy a bar. Don't buy a bar. So I mistakenly bought the house. I should have bought the bar. Um, and that was right when I broke up with a girl, changed jobs. I started working for Citigroup, bought the house. My dad died. So my mind was just a mess. So I, what turned into what should have been a, a six-month renovation project turned into three years. And what happened during that three years is the market crashed. So, you know, I, I'm in this house. I finally finished renovating it. The market is, is crashed. 2008 so, now, you're saying? Yeah, 2008. Um, market crashed. Um, so I wasn't selling this house. So I, I was working at Citigroup. I got recruited by BlackRock. And that's when things really ramped up. 
And you were building data centers for I was, BlackRock. Yeah, so they hired me to start their data center portfolio group. So I was responsible for building out their data center team. So taking care of all of their existing data center co-location leases, uh, locating new properties to put data centers in, uh, renovating their existing data centers, building out the, the manpower to manage the tech ops in all these spaces as well. So what did the, the data centers actually do? So that's, that's where all the blinky lights are. So um, that's, that's where all of the, the, the server farms and the networking gear and, and all the communications come into to run BlackRock. BlackRock's trading desks, BlackRock's, um, you know, uh, uh, all of their, their client systems. And for people who don't know, BlackRock is the number one asset manager in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think their assets, I don't even know where they are I don't know what they today. are now. I, um, know, I know when I left, they were, um, it was, I left, it was right after um, the last acquisition. Um, I think they went up, they shot up to maybe six, I want to say six, four trillion, six trillion, something like that. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's, it's. Yeah, yeah so they were at they it, were at six when I left. So I, I was their 942nd employee. And just to talk about that real quick, you know, I'm dealing with some companies in my space that are the fourth, fifth largest asset managers in the world, and they're at 300 billion. Yeah, I mean, they were 500 they, billion, yeah. a tr one trillion. So they manage they manage money for entire countries. Mm. Entire countries give them their money to manage. Yeah. Um, so they were huge, and I was their 942nd employee. Yeah, you were there so, early on. Yeah, when I left, there was like fourteen thousand employees. When I left, so I was, I was, I was there for all the major mergers. Um, so when you would go out and you would identify properties, they were relying on that knowledge that you had to understand: is this a good buy? Is this a good place to put our land? You have to understand. You'd probably have to check in with the EPA, yeah. local regulations. I was working on the last data center I built was about a hundred million dollar project. It was in Amherst, New York. Um, I worked with the state of New York on all the, the tax incentive programs. I worked on the acquisition of the land with the landowner. I worked, uh, I was, uh, myself and one of my colleagues were in charge of managing the, uh, the engineering of the data center. We were inventing our own stuff. So, you know, one of the guys, I, I, my, my colleague, um, he... Shout him out. Oh, he, he's beyond shouting out. He's probably worth a couple billion dollars but uh, he, he he um just let the folks know that we got we got you know within arm's length some billionaires attached to fireside so he uh well his his wife is one of the eight founding members of blackrock so and him and i work barbara novick yeah so i i work directly Barbara's big time yeah i work directly with her husband um who just over my 11 12 years at blackrock was my mentor mm -hmm. he um he taught me how to think and there's no way I can describe it um, you know, critically think or think about everything just analyze analyze risk macro or I'm, micro I don't even know what those two words mean so was it was it was it diving and drilling down on the risk or was it looking and assessing at the whole property of diving and drilling down drilling down. everything was everything at BlackRock is hyper focused critical detail and um, so he, he, he taught me just how to just think it. And I extrapolated that information into my own business. Um, 
and and he's the reason why I am. Him and my mother are the reasons why I am where I am you today. You still in touch with him today? All the time. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's he he was my mentor. He was my therapist. He was my business coach. He was. Uh, my Isn't it friend. great to have those type of people that you stumble upon in your life? I know I have some of those. In Salt my life. of the earth. He, he, yeah. The guy would walk into meetings. Messy, just be loved. messy hair, a hole in his shirt, and 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 vendors would kind of not give him the time of day and, and give him attitude. And I, you know, after the meetings, I pull him aside. You do realize that guy's probably worth over at the time over a billion dollars. Like what he says goes. And, like, oh. and then they, I'd watch him treat him differently. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's so crazy because yeah. that that shouldn't be it. I actually had a conversation with the guy Duke from Montana. He's in my coaching group, and uh, Duke has he has sold many coaching businesses. He actually does a massive consulting business for institutional traders still to this day. They pay him about twenty five thousand a month. Um, Duke, if I had that correct, um, not to put your business out there, but he was talking about just today on our call, and he was like, Ryan, he goes, I don't ever underestimate anybody because of their net worth. He goes, you got to understand that everybody's unique in who they are. So what Josh can do, Ryan cannot do specifically. What Ryan can do, Josh cannot do. And you got a set of skills that if you just hustle and grind and eventually get lucky, you'll end up where you want to end up if you chase it down. And that's something that's empowering that everybody should really understand. He was also, aside from the money, he he was a, a brilliant engineer. I mean, he was... Easily the smartest man in the room, every room I went into. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting some love right there. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> um, but, you know, working with him was just amazing. So, you know, at BlackRock, you know, in the early days, they would just throw money at you. And I never spent that money. And I was so you sti- were just banking. Yeah, I was still running the models, still looking at things to buy. And I bought my first deal. It's a flip house in Asbury Park. The market had crashed. Everybody told me I was nuts. Why did you target Asbury? It's by the beach, and, and, and it was a, you know, a gay community. You know, I tell my kids all the time, we, we, we see the pride flag, and I say, you know what that is? And that's, that's, that's the gay flag. I said, no. That's money. Those, you know. Why that, did you think that? Why did you because think that that group of people they 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 care about their community probably more than anybody I've ever seen, and they in they, what way? In a sense of pride, like the pride of pride. their the community. pride of ownership, pride of their community. You know, uh, you know, and and not to sound funny, but the and how many years ago was that? Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. So the Obama, market was at the bottom. Obama had just said, "Hey." Gays are allowed to get married, all these things. And Not I think yet. It wasn't at that point Not yet. Not yet. No, that was later. But so it um, was still very, like, yeah. you know, the gay community was, in a sense, I don't want to say looked down at, but it was it was different than traditional world. Or it wasn't. I mean, uh, it, it was, um, look, I worked in the city. I, 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 I was entering the Asbury market. So for me, it was it was normal. Mm-hmm. Not that it was, it's abnormal. but yeah, it was, you were around it, a it lot was, of diversity. Yeah. 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 You understood So... That. Um, but I, I, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a, a, a gay community. It was by the beach. I, I, you know, there was no way that that couldn't take off. 
So I, I bought my first deal in Asbury. I, I took it down to zero. Every dollar I had, I had to borrow money. The only person who lent me money was my mother. Explain took it down to zero. I spent every dime I had. Mm -hmm. Every dime. I, I, I bought this house. It was an old you know, 1890s Victorian that was foreclosed on. It was a mess. It was vacant for years. Um, and I, I was building a data center in East Wenatchee, Washington State at the time. Huge project. And I was, you know, me and Barry were in charge of the project. I was flying out to Seattle uh, like on a Monday, driving three hours to Wenatchee, coming back on a Thursday, strapping my tool belt on Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, working on this house. And um, How driven were you at the time? Give us a peek into your, your mindset. I took it down to zero. You were like, There's I'm going all more in, driven. I'm not afraid. There's nothing more driven than that. I had, I spent every dime I had saved. So you, there was, there was, and this is something that a lot of people who need to leave their jobs, and again, this is what this podcast is about, leave the rat race. You didn't take traditional ways. No. You're betting on you. So yeah. you this was are a, your guarantee in your head. There's no guarantees, yeah. but you're your guarantee to say, yeah. I'm going to get over, around, and under I had no, I remember hurdle. there was... There was things I didn't want to do or have to do that I said to myself, I'm in this house by myself. I have no choice but to do that. Because if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And that's the mindset you have to have. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, I still, I still act like that. But you know, I, I renovate this house six months, sell it, made my margin, and... Um, at the time I was finishing up the house, I met my now wife, and we. What's your wife's name? Let's give her a shout out. Orly. My Orly. Wife. Yes, Orly. That's a unique name. She's Israeli. That's cool. She is awesome. Orly. She is awesome. Um, I met my. Does your kids practice the? Um, we are Jewish. Yeah. You're Jewish. Yeah. yeah awesome. We're Jewish. Uh, I I I'm Russian and Italian. My father was Roman Catholic. My mother's a Russian Jew. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is Israeli from Israel. Um, my kids are raised Jewish, um, but. So I, 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 I met my wife. I said, look, I got this house in Asbury. I'm just fin I was just finishing up at the time. I remember she used to, we were dating. She, she's so hot. Give she, me a ring. Give me a ring. You know, she, no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm she kidding. would bring me little sandwiches while I was working. It was, and she, she, Isn't that the little things, oh. man? As like, you know, as a, as a, I feel as like a man's man, like my wife is the same, like bringing you a sandwich. Or my, wife's, my, wife's, uh, my wife is a hustler she is a, a a leader in her industry um so what i what does she do let's talk about her for a second she uh is, is she's in executive sales at salesforce salesforce huge crm system used predominantly she in does the, executive, uh, insurance and executive sales there yeah. so she deals with all huge companies she sells uh, uh cloud how computing. big is salesforce now they're pretty pretty, big. pretty freaking big yeah um but so i did this deal i said look i said babe we got this house I got this house. Why don't we rent out Manalpin and move here? It's a cool place. I barely own anything in the house. And at the time, Asbury was still, there was a lot of petty crime. So she didn't feel comfortable. So I said, all right. So I sold the house. And then she wanted to, um, you know, things got serious. She moved in with me. Um, and she wanted to 
buy our own house. So we wound up finding a, finding a lot in Belmar, and I built the house there. So I took a hiatus from my business dreams to build that house. And then, say, we're in the house a year. Uh, so 2013, I started full force just buying stuff. I was buying dilapidated crack houses, multifamily crack houses Asbury. in Asbury Park. I was buying stuff for... You know Bobby Johnson by any chance? Mm -mm. No. I don't. I was buying stuff for... Yeah, I bought a four-family for $270,000 on the good side of Asbury Park. Wow. Dumped 150000 into it. Do you still own that property? Yeah. What is it worth today? A million. It's crazy. Um, but I'll never sell it because... Your rent roll is the, so the, crazy. The gross, cap rate's high. The, the cap rate's high. The gross rents are, are almost hundred grand a year. And I'm not... I'm, I'm levered. Maybe. Where would you take that asset? Go do it that you could control it the way so, that you do your taxes. You I, I don't want to diverge too much, but so I. Don't I pay, worry, the IRS aren't, isn't watching yet. It's, I pay my taxes. <laughs> I I I. I wait until the end of the until they it, send me a letter. I bought it for two <laughs> two seventy. I dumped a buck fifty into it. I had a three hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage, so I spent a total of two seventy plus a buck fifty. What is that? That's foreign change. Yeah. I had a. $370,000 mortgage. I think I had about 80000 of my own equity in it. Uh, two years later, I did a cash-out refi, pulled my eighty out, plus some, and I'm still cash-flowing on that property at least three grand a month in my pocket every at month. At the time? Now. I say now. So yeah. I got $0 plus the bank's money, and I'm cash-flowing like a king. So let's talk about lever real quick, because I think a lot of people don't understand that you, you must keep your money in motion. Um, you know, if you're not getting the traditional financial planning is three plus three plus three. It's a linear calculation when real money is made in three times three times three. That's the velocity of money. I don't know what you're talking about, but I so, will take your word for it. But you do because you're doing it. So it's saying, hey, I have this asset here. It's worth X. It's my equity is essentially stuck in there. I want to take this money out, which I've already used, and then apply it over here to go do it again and again and again. That's leverage. That's the velocity of money, getting multiple yes. turns on your dollar. And that and that's essentially, I guess, what I did. So I bought that place, renovated it, um, bought several more places, flipped a bunch of houses in between, and I just kept building, putting that money towards the business. Um, and... Over those years, I was at BlackRock, still saving the shit out of my what money. What year is this, 2013, 15, 16? Where are we at? 2013 to 2016. You're still at BlackRock. I left BlackRock in 16. And if you don't mind me asking, what were you making at BlackRock at the time to say, hey, I'm giving up this side hustle. I've been buying properties, flipping properties, owning rentals. Um, a little under three. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice six-figure income from the largest asset manager in the world, mm -hmm. you didn't have to wake up and worry about your I paycheck had, coming I in. I had, the benefits were phenomenal. I had six weeks of, five or six weeks of vacation. Um, and I was, I was making a little under $300,000 a year. That's I was still banking the shit out of it. Every dime I had was still, you know, th there were times I was, I was buying two, three properties a month. Um, I, you know, I was, I got to the point where I'm, I was a cash buyer. Um, 
so I basically buy cash, renovate cash, and do a cash out uh, refi at the end to get my money back. Um, and 2016, I, I said to my wife, I'm working seven days a week, 12, 13 years. I cannot do this anymore. I had the commute just, beats you up. I got alone. I got offered a job at Two Sigma, which is a, a hell of a, a hedge fund. I turned them down. They got pissed. What did they offer you? Oh, almost four. They got they got pissed. I got I got I got offered a job at Facebook. Move out to Menlo. Turn that down. And they were like, what did they offer you? We weren't at we weren't at the offer letter stage, but I got the verbal. We want to move you out here, and at that point I said, "You know what? Thank you, but I'm so close to living my dream. I can't." Mm. Um, I had an interview at Google. I turned it down, and I I went into BlackRock. I gave 60 days notice, and I left. My wife said to me, "She goes, you're you're you know at some point, and I don't realize I didn't realize it." that it had happened my dream became a reality mm-hmm. you were I, there i didn't you know. arrived i didn't know yeah because you're still and in it, that it, mentality it, it of took, i'm gonna it, get it i'm gonna it get it took I'm gonna my get wife it. it took my wife to tell me like you make more money doing the real estate thing yeah what are we doing here josh like just do it so i had i was finishing up two houses that i was getting ready to sell so i had a boatload of money coming in from that I left BlackRock, the house is sold, and I knew I had a couple of years of living expenses. And I just, I was building houses, flipping houses. I bought a, the, the, I bought a huge piece of, I, I, <laughs> I bought the corner of Grand Avenue and 2nd in Asbury Park, right by the beach, this old, um, 1856 Victorian. It was like the prime piece of real estate that everybody was chasing, and I got it. How? Persistence. I chased that house for six years. I befriended the owner, and I got him on a day where he just had enough. I had my checkbook. I said, I'll write you a check, $275,000. What do you say? And, and, and He was ready. He was ready, and... The day I, the next day I, I closed, the next day I hung my sign and one of the biggest real estate owners in Asbury Park who lived in the area came across the street and said, I'll give you 600000 for it. I mean, I would have doubled my money in a day. And I said, thank you, but no thank you. Now why? Because you understood the, the numbers? No, I, I, I had the dream of tearing that down or renovating the house, but then I realized I couldn't renovate it. So then I was going to, tear it down and build three luxury townhomes. And I knew I was going to make more than 300 grand, $325,000. So I went through a very long, arduous process, two-year process. To Variance, get, the whole nine Yeah, yards. they, you know, it, it really got strung along. Two years, I spent a boatload of money to get the approvals. I finally got the approvals. Um, I got the approvals in 2019, maybe. 2020-ish, 2019. And I wasn't sure about the market. You know, everybody started talking about how frothy the market is. And so I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. I don't want to be coming to market with million-dollar million dollar townhomes. 
So I was like, I was working with the city area. How about I turn it into a four unit apartment building? Then the opportunity came up to buy the place next door. So I quickly jumped on that, bought that cash. It was a two family. So now I owned half of the block between second and third on Grand Avenue in Asbury Park. I'm the underdog. Like there was a, people a lot bigger than me that was pining for that corner piece. Chomping at the bit. I too. got it. Yeah. I shouldn't have gotten that property, but I did. And, and so now I own 150 feet of frontage on Grand Avenue. Um, and I wasn't going to develop it. And my wife was like, let's sell our house in Belmar um, and move to Spring Lake. So in order to do that, I had to sell the corner piece. Now I own the two family next, I still own the two family next door. Uh, sold the corner piece in June. Did very well on it. Um, Did you build the townhomes? No, I sold the building as is. I, I, I ran the numbers. If I built the townhomes, I'd probably make 200 grand more than if I just sold it outright. And the risk and the amount of work involved to me wasn't worth. So going back to Barbara's husband, understanding the risk, and the work, yep. that was the homework that you did. Yep. So the, the first property that you bought though, next to it, did you build townhomes on that? No. So what did you do with it? You just- The two family? Yeah. I still own that. You just owned the two family. Mm -hmm. What do you think that property is worth again? Just a million bucks? No, I mean, I, I bought that recently. I bought that in, in 2020. So I bought that, it's probably worth 800,000, 850,000. Now are you just focused in Asbury? No. <coughs> You do uh, flips and rehab. I do flips. I, I do I do add a levels. I do um, ground up new construction. Now, are you extracting cash flow along the way into any other vehicles? The hedge outside of real estate. No. Why not? What? Right. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not like, giving right? you a lesson. I'm, I'm saying. No, I, you know, I, I mean, rich. like, what? 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 What's there to extract into? You know, uh, I I almost bought a a a. a, a a cafe that had the that had a building and I was interested in the building but you know me and my wife said do we really want to get up at five in the morning to run a cafe yeah and no. hindsight's 2020 I should have bought it um, because I could have sold the business and kept the building um, but I, I know how to build stuff I know how to renovate stuff I know how to rent stuff I know how to buy stuff inexpensively um, stick with what you know, right? So if you were talking about real estate today, and I know you're looking to potentially find the golden nugget in Spring Lake and you're being strategic and patient and... No, I, I, it, my wife's in charge of that. There's nothing strategic or, 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 or patient about it. So my point is you got to build your, your home for your family. Yes. What is your next project? What is your next goal that you're looking to achieve in, in your business? Well, I've got, well, I, in 2018, I started my, I saw the market kind of shifting and I was worried because I, I was buying during the last crash and I was worried that, you know, it was, it was becoming harder to find good deals. So I was like, all right, what do I know how to do? Well, I know how to build stuff. All right, so let me start a contracting business. So I started Estates by Valerio, and I started taking on customer work. And that has morphed into hiring employees, and, and, and that has become a seven-figure business. Um, that's awesome. And that's it, flips, 
building, new home, new construction. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Lario Properties is the development arm. This is just, this is the, the, the registered construction company, the registered New Jersey State builder's number. So this is the, con the uh, uh, States of Valero is, is the contractor. So this is what I do customer work in. So um, I, I do anything from building homes for people to additions, add levels, basements, kitchens, bathrooms. I, I, I do it all. I, you know, it, it's, it's this um, blessed curse of having to feed the machine, right? Mm -hmm. So now I have employees. I have workers' compensation. I have, you know, general liability. I have vehicles. I have, I have you know, you know, a business. I, you know, I, I wake up and, I, you know, every month I have to cover 20-some-odd thousand dollars a month in payroll. Mm -hmm. So the only way I could do that is customer work. So, you know, I, I, I'm doing the customer work, and, and I really actually enjoy it. Um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a different contractor because a, a lot of contractors do it because they have to. You know, it's what puts food on their table. Um, and they, you know, their work has that mentality. They have to squeeze out the last dollar. They have to charge that last change order. You know, everything's a change order because they got to make their money. Um, now, I, I have a business to run, and I, I watch the numbers, but I do it because I like it. I could mm -hmm. shut the States by Valerio down tomorrow, and I'd be just fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, you know, I've got two houses that I'm starting in, in, in Belmar, uh, or I'm going through the process now, the approval process now. And you're doing some work right up the road on I've, I've done a bunch of houses right up the road, yeah. But I, I make a majority of my money uh, building for myself. That's the bulk of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the customer work, it feeds the machine. But that doesn't, that's not to say that it take, it's, it's less of my focus. The customer work is a majority of my focus. Um, it's the base hits that you want to do that just keeps paying the bills as your other assets appreciate yeah. and you grow your brand so you know uh, i'm at the point now where you know we sold belmar i sold a corner piece in asbury and <coughs> i've never seen this before where this weird mix of supply demand issues and inflation yeah you know i i'm where do know, you think inflation is coming from like what's what's driving that <laughs> that's a trick question. Mm -hmm. uh, what's driving that? That's being perpetuated on, or that that's 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 promoted on purpose. My humble opinion. It's just my opinion. Promoted on purpose. What do you mean by that? Uh, I I think um, a lot of people are are making money off of these higher prices. So people I, are understanding that <clears throat> if you remove the goods. You remove the services. It's kind of like a hidden tax to the regular yeah, person. Think? <laughs> I'm asking you. It's yeah, a hidden yeah. tax to the yeah. To the they, regular. they pumped all this money in the economy, and they're taking it back. You know, they're taking it back. And, and, and look, how I, do you hedge I, against that? What'd you say? How do you hedge against it? Hard assets. As as you know, real estate people, especially landlords. Are, who bought their properties before all this started are making a killing right now. Rents shot up, our expenses shot up, but rents shot up. 
hard asset prices shot up. So our, our properties are worth much more now. And interest rates are still super low. BlackRock actually bought a ton of neighborhoods. Is that BlackRock or Blackstone? I'm pretty sure it's BlackRock. Okay, because I know yeah. Black, Blackstone buys a lot of houses. Yeah, BlackRock, I think, actually one of these neighborhoods and I actually when I when I think about the bigger macro picture because that's where my head's constantly at I don't, I don't drill down on much unless needed um, I look at it as a land asset grab by the wealthy and that's across all spectrums government institutions yeah. whatever and you know if you can understand that that the traditional route you know CPI consumer price index is a driven number that they say is inflation but food and oil is not mixed into that. So you have an inflation currently, I mean, last month, and people may challenge me, but I think it was like 5.6. You have a COLA increase for Social Security by like 5.6, 5.7. So you're seeing this all happen. I went to buy a steak. I'm a vegan, but my family is not. So I went, I went to buy steaks the other week, ribeye steaks at Whole Foods. They used to be... Thirteen ninety nine regular price on sale for ten ninety nine often. First of all, I need to correct you. You need to go to Colonial Market in Point Pleasant for your steaks. <laughs> Twenty seven ninety nine a pound. Yeah, it's insane for ribeye steaks. Mm -hmm. Doubled. And people are mad at these businesses, but these businesses aren't driving it's it. It's not They're, our fault. Yeah, yo, know, your 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 cost has gone up, and you know, lumber material. I mean, thank, thankfully, Doug Fur went down, but hardwood flooring material is more than double. All the drywall, insulation, all the other stuff is super inflated. So when I go to a customer and I give them a price, oh, not let's let's not forget about labor. Everybody is making twice what they were making 18 months ago. So what do you think the average guy should do to, to combat this besides buying a hard asset? Bank cash? Inflation is taxing that cash. So I, put it to work. But, but here's my... And I'm a... I'm a, a negative Nelly. I, I err on the side of caution. I, I'm a pessimist. I always think the sky is falling. You say that, but you drilled down to zero a couple of times, so I actually don't actually believe what you're saying. Well, I drilled down to zero when I knew everything was dirt cheap. Now, to me, everything seems so freaking expensive. It's insane. Like, I hired a dog walker over the three days that I was in Long Island for Thanksgiving. It was like three hundred and thirty bucks. Like everything is just everything try, is just try expensive. Try to hire a carpenter. Yeah, I, I know. Could, if you could find one. I know. So, you know, I would love to go and buy. You know, going forward, the easiest thing that I've learned over the years is multifamily, or or, or resi over retail. You, you you either build it or renovate it once for the most part, uh, and then you lease it, and you sit back, and you, you know, you have some maintenance things, and you, you know, you have a little bit of work, and, 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 and billing, and this and that, and you collect your money. Uh, developing is by far the hardest, in my opinion, because you, 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 you have that same amount of work, and then you sell it, and you take your biggest tax hit, because it's a short-term or long-term capital gain, but most of the time short-term capital gain. And then you got to do it all over again. So, you know, I always say developing properties will make you rich. 
owning, you know, rentals will make you wealthy because, you know, all of my rental properties, I'll give them to my kids. That That's generational, generational wealth. wealth. So you're talking about development is what makes you rich. Rentals is what makes you wealthy. Yes. Rentals is what I could pass down to future generations. You know, I had my children's college education paid for before they were even born because I owned hard cash flowing assets and I know I have a seven and a nine year old so in eight years nine years when the first one's got to go to college I just do a cash out refi rents are paying for that note the 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 appreciated value of the real estate which uh, which will afford that cash out loan is going to pay for their college if they want to go if they want to go yeah, if they want to go. My wife will make them go. So, where this is a question I ask everybody. Where do you see Estates by Valerio, your asset portfolio? Where do you see it going? Where do you want your revs to be in your business? What do you want your total portfolio to be worth? So, I have three three businesses. The rental business, Valerio Properties, which is a development business, and Estates by Valerio, which is a construction business. Um, the Valerio Properties... You know, I still see myself building a few houses a year because the money's good. Estates by Valerio, the construction business, um, that's more of ego-driven. I want to build the best stuff that I could build. I want to be, I want to be that that premier builder. Like, uh, oh shit, that's Estates by Valerio. You should see the houses, or, or you should see the the renovations he does. You could build my next house. Sure. Um, but really, what I want, I want to t- take all of that and use it to fund 30, 40, 50 unit buildings. That's really what I want. I, I, I want a thousand rental units, um, and I kick myself in the ass every day because I could probably at this point have a few hundred. If I didn't get distracted by all the other stuff, um, but so now I'm kind of not waiting, but feeling out the market because you have a lot of guys now that are buying places at these exorbitant, what I find exorbitant prices, and they're banking on Airbnb or VRBO, vacation rentals. Yeah. It's a huge business. I mean, that's so expensive nowadays. We just spent four grand to go up to the Catskills for four days. However, that is so so dependent on your local municipality. Yeah. Asbury Park. Yeah, they shut it down. Asbury Point Park. shut it down. Asbury Park shut it down. Yeah. You can't do a rental short. I think it's 30 days. Why do you think it's getting shut down? Because we were... Uh, you're driving in bad traffic, problematic situations. Problem tenants. Yeah. Noisy tenants. Yeah. You know, you're 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 partying at a you got a place for two, three days a week. You're partying your asshole for that week. It's creating disturbance for the neighbors. And I get it. I lived in a rental town. I lived in Belmar. And the house to the right to me was a family rental house. Family, but still rental. The one across was rental. And then three down was a, a, a problematic 
college rental house. So, it, you know, it was, it was an issue. So you're spending a couple million dollars. You're spending a couple million dollars on a house. You don't want to deal with that shit. But, so you have a lot of these guys, and a lot of guys I know that have a lot of rental units that, you know, they bought years ago. They're buying these places now because really it's the only thing that they could buy. And it's the only way they can have the numbers work for them is doing these these short-term rentals. And I just, what happens when the town they're buying in puts a squash on that? What happens if there's a recession and people aren't paying these elevated rates and now they're, they're buying, you know, these, you know, single-family, two-family houses for, you know, seven figures banking on $140,000 in vacation rental income. Now you can't get that anymore. So you're sitting in a liquid position ready to hop on opportunities. I'm sitting in a liquid position ready to buy my forever home because my wife wants her dream house. There's nothing wrong with that, too. <laughs> no, and, and, you know, look, I, I if, like I said, I, I just bought that property in Belmar, it, you know, and if another home run comes up, of course I'm going to buy it. But, you know, and that's the good thing about having the construction company because that business is thriving while, you know, the the acquisitions business is, you know, kind of waiting and seeing. I mean, I have the two houses in, in, in Belmar that I, I'm going to build. That'll be nice. Um, but, you know, I, I really want to focus on the larger multifamily stuff. And quite frankly, I don't think it's in this state. The next guy coming on <clears throat> owns approximately about one hundred eighty to $200,000 of multifamilies. He's on next week. Million. $200 million. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, you know, he started out with you know, a couple equity partners and then lever, lever, lever. And that business seems to be, you know, the business. It's a great business. I, I have no equity partners. Um, I started this business by myself. I funded it by myself. Uh, I took, you know, a, a $25,000 loan from my mother on the first property. And I think I took a $25,000 loan on one of the other properties, not because I needed the money, but my mother needed a return. Um, but other than that, this has been a complete self-funded business. That's, that's such a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but then again, it is a good feeling. But then again, um, it, it thwarted my growth. There's no question about it. But So we didn't answer it, though. Where do you see this all going? Where is the total portfolio worth in 15 years from now? What is the revenue? 15 years from now, I want to be retired. What is it worth? I don't know what I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards or I'm, I'm moving towards cash flow only. So I, I know that, you know, I want to be able to open up my P.O. box mailbox and have, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100,000 dollars a month come in extra residual money. Yeah, residual income is something big that a lot of wealthy people yeah. talk about. Yeah, I, I, I do know I, I, I want to have a million dollars a year in residual money. That just keeps coming in. And I, I do know that when I die, I, I want to give my, my two daughters the ability to just manage or hire a manager to manage the properties and still get a boatload of money. If, if, my, if my one daughter wants to bake cupcakes for a living and make $30,000 a year, I want her to be able to do that knowing that she has $100,000 a month coming in. 
What are your children's names? Uh, Lila Blue and Nia Gray. Another unique name or two. That's awesome. So I appreciate you coming on. What I do as a question or two at the end here is ask you about other business owners in the area. Could be a contractor, could be an Asbury restaurant, could be something here in Point, whatever it may be. Give us two businesses that you want to give a shout out to. Well, I, I've got a host of businesses. Give us, give us, give us two, and I'm sure you you love them all. But give us two people you want to shout out. Um, I don't know. You stumped me on that one. I'm just gonna rattle off a bunch. Good. Uh, well, you got Matt Belmar Plumbing. Plumbing. This is the reason why I'm here. You got uh, Shore Electric, my buddy John. He's been with me since the beginning of my business. You got uh, my other plumber. Where's he out of? Red Bank. Red Bank. Yeah, you got my other plumber, uh, Navison Plumbing, uh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, my, my buddy Rob Giuliani from Pliables, the guy that started Pliables. Used to live right around the block from me when I lived in Belmar. Rob Rob keeps circulating in my world. But, you know, Paul from Bubba Coos, Sean owns Fins. His name keeps coming up. We're going to have to get so him So I was on. just at Rob's house two days ago. He just... Bought this brand new Ferrari. It's like, dude, let me sit in that car. Let me feel the steering. He wheel. had me look at his house because he wanted me to do some things there. So let me sit in that car. <laughs> what a car that is! But let's yeah, get, let's get Rob on the show. I haven't tracked him down or tried to at all, but let's let's get him on. Tell all him right. about it. I mean, that's a, that's a story. I mean, I, I, we were buying ply bulbs from his little push cart in 2014. Me, me, and at the time, I just had Lila Blue, and. uh that was, talk about lightning in a bottle, man. I mean, he's up to 125, 130 stores, whatever. And he it had is. one of his partners sell out for a pretty good chunk of change, too, both, right? Both of them did. Yeah, both of them sold out? Yeah, so they, they sold out. They recently sold out to a private equity firm. I think Rob is now still the CEO. Um, and his partner, Abby, is the, the, the um, creative director or something, mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, just an amazing story. That's awesome. Well, listen, dude, I mean, your story's been awesome. I think it was educational. I think it was raw and real. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, next week we're going to have another real estate guy. So you real estate people, tune in. Um, Who's coming in? uh, Jay Cooperman, Dynamic Capital. Uh, Started in North Jersey. um, Moved out to PA. Sold the cap rates were higher out there. Started buying old school buildings and renovating them, turning them into apartments and um, getting into a little bit of the real estate front. And He's a, uh, he's a character, uh, but actually a very sharp guy. Most people probably wouldn't realize that because he likes to have fun. Where, where does he live? He's right here in Bayhead. He's in Bayhead right on Osborne around Can the block. Can I come that night? Absolutely. Next week, the night. I just want to watch and meet yeah, and shake his absolutely. hand. Absolutely. We actually, uh, you know, if it's an early, yeah, we're actually doing a Thursday. Thursday or Friday, we have a little bit of a live audience. So you're more than welcome, man. Come That'd by, meet Jay. Jay's a, uh, he's a good dude. He's a real dude. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited to have him on and talk more uh, about the multifamily space. But again, thank you. I appreciate it. And, thank uh, you. you know, we'll circle back again, maybe in a year or two and have you on again. See I where need you're a at. financial planner. <laughs> I'm your guy. All right. I'm your guy.
Guys, thank you. Tune in again next week. It was great.